Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, right here on Voice America, America's Voice. And today we're talking about how do you live your life and how do you sell? We're all selling in some way. And how do you sell with soul? And that's the name of our book. My guest is Sharon Parker, and her book is Selling with Soul, Achieving Career Success Without Sacrificing Personal and Spiritual Growth. Sharon Parker is a successfully solid high-tech uh, has sold high-tech products and services for 25 years. In 2004, she launched the Sparkle Company, a resource offering coaching and professional training. Sharon Parker also works with customer-centric selling and story leaders. And you can go to sparkercoaching.com. Welcome, Sharon. Hi, Patricia. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's good to have you. Um, explain what customer-centric selling is. Well, customer-centric selling is a process that's teachable, repeatable, and it's based on first learning what the customer wants to achieve, what's actually motivating them to consider change, what's their goal, their vision, and then understanding that thoroughly so that you can match products and services that fit to that vision. Mm -hmm. It's the opposite of pushing product. Right, right. So that the person is doing work that's in line with their purpose and their vision. So it's something very much in line with who they are. That's right. It's based on their goals and helping them achieve them. Yeah. And and I really understand that very well because of the work that I do, which is very soul and vision driven. And Mm -hmm. it's... It is a it is a wonderful thing when you can do what you believe in and what you love. Um, I I do think though, and I think that this is something that you might want to address is, you know, there there is a price for that in that you know we many of us who do the work that we love and is part of our soul vision are entrepreneurs, so there is always that entrepreneurial challenge that we are looking at. I think that's absolutely true, and I think. The, one of the primary reasons so many entrepreneurial efforts and home-based businesses and, and self-employed services 
don't succeed is that we carry that negative stereotype about selling inside yeah. our heart. Yeah. I mean, our culture looks down on salespeople and, and you know, words like unscrupulous and selfish and self-serving. Those are the first things people come up with when you ask them to describe a salesperson. Mm. And, these, and these are having salespeople themselves who are saying these things. Mm. So mm. a big, a or, big part or of we think that, Right, or we think the sales are cold calls. Yeah, which isn't the case at all. So a big part of the reason I wrote the book is that I want salespeople to see that they can do their job with integrity and empathy and feel proud of their work. And I also want every reader to see that we all sell no matter what our job title is. And when you consider the effect selling has in our communities and in our culture, selling's the only job that creates more jobs. You know, whether you're selling ideas or products or services, you are creating jobs by matching what people need to what you have to offer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And when you work with people now, when you have clients, how do you work with them? Do you help them to match their goal and their vision to their purpose, or do you help them come up with strategies so they can work with clients effectively? How do you work with people? You know, it's really both. Um, I mean, I still have to sell my training services and my coaching services to make a living. That's what Sparker Coaching is all about. Um, and, well, it is understanding my customers and understanding what, what they're trying to achieve before I try to propose any kind of tools or solutions or products that will help them get there. And when I teach sales uh, process, I work in, well, groups of, you know, 25 or 30 people in many cases on how well do you know your customer's goals? You know, Mm -hmm. how much time do you take to understand that up front Mm -hmm. before you launch into talking about you? Exactly. And, you know, you cover the basic steps in, in buying in your book, but you also talk about the soft skills, which you're just talking about now, like listening, you know, and really communicating directly and honestly. And those are part of selling, aren't they? Oh, they're essential because selling, when you get right down to it, people buy from people, regardless of the Internet's presence or catalogs or flyers. People buy from people. And if you can't make a human connection based on respect and based on owning your power while allowing your customer to own theirs, then you're not really in a position to sell at all. Mm, Very true. And they're not just buying, but they're buying from people, and they're buying from people they like. I think that's the other thing. You buy from people that you like, don't you think? I, you know, I, I do, but I think that even more important than like is respect. You know, we buy from people that we trust and respect. And I think a lot of salespeople believe they can build their business just by being likable, but they mm-hmm. have to bring value to their customer. They have to bring exactly. ideas and experience. And if they're not adding value and if they're not owning their power and treating themselves and the customer with respect, then they're going to be outsold. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, you call your book a karma book. What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, I I paid my dues over 25 years in sales, and uh, God, I've hated it 
so much the first 10 years. I just kept thinking, I want to do important work. This doesn't feel like important work. And the big aha moment came for me when I saw myself as a, as a change agent, as a change agent within business, that by doing, the, doing sales the way I believed it should be done and basing it on my core values, I could be successful and I could cause change, one, one deal, one transaction mm-hmm. at a time. Mm-hmm. So I decided in 94 to write a book based on all of those School of Hard Knocks lessons, and I donate all the money from that to scholarships. Um, Isn't that wonderful? But 10 years later, the Internet, 9-11, so many things have changed our culture that people don't buy the same way. And we can't sell the same way. So when I did a new version of the book, I really had to rewrite every bit of it. Well, and now people are buying the book online, correct? Yes, they can buy the book online. Uh, hardcover, but but when, you, when you said that you rewrote it, was it because you brought social media more into the mix? I did. I brought the Internet and social media, but also... Um, Additional uh, soft skills like how to embrace change, how to handle conflict, um, because in both sections I was able to expand. I think there's just a lot more information right now about how we humans like to deal with each other and what the basis is of an ongoing trust. Well, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of those points in your book. You know, you have mm-hmm. 10 tips for selling and living with soul. And we can cover those first and then maybe talk about some of the other tips you have in terms of, of, of conflict. So the first one is respect yourself and your customer. Yes. A lot of salespeople are told things like, oh, the customer's always right, to do whatever the customer says. And, you know, that's, that is not a helpful approach when you want to approach the buyer as peers, peer-to-peer, power-to-power, expertise to expertise. Customers often ask for things that are not good business decisions, and we have to feel that we have the power to say, no, that's, that's not a good decision for me or my company. And at the same time, you've got salespeople being told, always be closing, always be closing, which is the opposite. It's the flip side. It's seeing sales as pushing, pushing, persuading, mm-hmm. dragging people. Neither one of those are effective. Yeah, I have found that in my work, that the more I'm thinking about what the customer needs and just giving that to them, that that's what really works. What is it the customer really wants? Yeah, yeah, I that, agree. Yeah. And now let's talk about a few of these at once so we can, there's so much to discuss here. Recognize the importance of empathy. Listen to yourself uh-huh. and others with sensitivity. Talk about that. When we listen to another person, we have to listen for more than the words coming out of their mouths. We have to understand what they're also not saying. We have to understand their body language. And we have to also become aware of our own filters, our own cultural biases, our own um, beliefs and perceptions, and how sometimes they lead us to misunderstanding what someone is saying, making assumptions 
that really aren't valid. So the, the better we develop our listening skills and, and that we do so from a place of empathy for the customer, the more effective we can be at helping that customer accomplish what they're trying to do. Mm, absolutely. One of the things you talk about, it's two of my five Ps, persistence and patience. <laughs> something yeah. something of which for patience is something I don't have a lot of. I have to force it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Another one is avoid rationalization in terms of living with soul. Explain that. It's many times we say it's okay and we justify things, um, but that may not be it. So talk about rationalization. Yeah, I think that may be one of our most evolved skills because we don't like to be wrong. And if we are wrong or we make a mistake, we, you know, we would rather be able to explain it away. Um, one of my former managers used to have a little sign that said, uh, the man who can smile when everything is falling apart has already found someone to blame. <laughs> mm. So, but I think real learning comes from analyzing honestly what we did, what we did well, what we didn't do well. And instead of rationalizing away, let's say you lose a sales opportunity you've worked on for months, instead of rationalizing that away saying, well, the competitor must have cut the price or they must know somebody, looking at the fact that you were outsold and why were you outsold? What steps did you miss? You know, what things mm-hmm. could you have done better or differently? Mm-hmm. Wow. So true. Now, I think number six is is tough for a lot of people, and that's embrace change. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people, when they're approaching a possible customer, a possible client, they forget that if that person wants to talk to them, if they're willing to sit down and invest some time with them, it's because they're really contemplating some kind of change. And they believe that that person who is selling can bring some value to them. Otherwise, they wouldn't agree to see us because none of us change until the value of changing becomes greater than the pain of changing. (laughs) So true. All right. Be a lifelong learner. You know, it's interesting on this one. I've interviewed thousands of people, and one of the things I've heard is that people who are often very, very successful or real, just have done very well, are lifelong learners. And I think what I heard the person say is that many times they don't really, they don't even need to learn as much as they do, but they're always hungry to learn more. I agree with that. I think that's a key success factor in life as well as in business and in careers because the rate of change today is exponentially greater than it's ever been in our history. And so you have to become hungry for learning. You have to become willing to tackle things that are that seem very unfamiliar. Um, you have to be willing to try technology that at first seems intimidating. And you have to remember that the learning curve itself uh, takes a while, and you're not going to be good at it right, at right at first. I mean, one of the things I tell myself a lot lately as I become more adept with social media and uh, 
you know, other tools of technology is anything worth doing is worth doing really badly at first. Because, because when you first learn something, it feels so awkward and clumsy, and you're just not successful right away at the first attempt. Yeah. Right, and so you have to be able to know that, that, that mistakes are all part of this. It's tough. You know what I find? That that's so true, and yet, you know, when the mistakes involve money or when the mistakes involve real setbacks, that can be difficult to accept. Oh, yeah. It certainly can. We don't like to make mistakes. We have a hard time accepting our mistakes. But when we do, and when we analyze them honestly, that's when we usually make a marked improvement, and we don't make those same mistakes again. Yeah, that's true. All right, we have a few more here. Live every day as though it will be recorded for posterity. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you know, salespeople, so I've heard so many people over the years say, oh, well, you know, maybe that wasn't the right thing to do, but everybody does it. And, you know, that's just not a reason to do something that goes against your core values. Because your competitor's cutting their price to the bone or they're making claims that aren't true, that doesn't justify our doing that. We have to live our lives at business and at home in a way that allows us to feel in harmony with our core values. And I, I'll tell you, when asking myself, uh, how would I feel if, uh, if I did this and then Mike Wallace inter- interviewed me on 60 Minutes, you know, rest his soul. I would, I would feel like, well, this probably wouldn't look like a very justifiable action if it was put through that filter. So I better rethink. Mm-hmm. Seek philosophical alignment. So the more you live in harmony with your values, that's what you mean. That's exactly what I mean. You know, Stephen Covey says, don't prioritize your schedule, schedule your priorities. And I think that for many of us, we get too busy with what seems urgent. We get too busy with the demands that are being made on us to focus on the things we, that we value the most. Maybe it's family time. Maybe it's time that we serve a charity or do something in our community. Um, maybe it's spiritual growth. But we have to make time for those parts of our values in order to be able to live in harmony. Um, when I see people who are dangerously close to workaholism, the first thing I counsel them to do is to sit down and look at how they would like to be remembered. You know, what are the core values that you would like people to say you lived? And then let's look at how to prioritize those. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, um, Sharon, because workaholism is often not looked at as, as an ism, you know. <laughs> Most people yeah. accept uh, workaholism as the norm when it really is, it can be an addictive quality. Yes. Yes. I think a lot of times the qualities that people are pushed to exhibit and display in business are self-destructive qualities. And when we live out of balance, everything we do is affected by that. Yeah. 
All right, let's talk about some of um, the ways that we can avoid conflict or work with conflict. Yeah, I think there the best rule of thumb is the first step is to understand absolutely everything you can about the other person's position. Yeah. You know, there are sometimes conflicting interpretations that can be resolved fairly easily when everybody takes the time to understand. But oftentimes, the conflict is very real. Maybe you both need a certain resource, and that resource is only available to one of you. You know, conflicts like that are much harder to resolve. But the first step is to always put on the table what that person's opinion is, why they believe this is important, and why they feel that you are in opposition to them. And the more clear the understanding becomes between the two of you, then the more possibility there is that you'll be able to resolve it. Hmm. So understand where that person is thinking that is different from your thinking. Uh Because if you understand where that person is thinking from, then you can work through conflict based on where they are and what they'll accept and what they won't accept. Exactly. You can better identify together then the points where you can meet and the points perhaps where you can't. Mm -hmm. And you have a fact basis then for trying to come up with the best solution possible. Now, something in your book that I really love, you have um, reflections at the end of each chapter. And you write down, describe your favorite customer. What is it you most like about him or her? And describe your least favorite customer. What is it you most dislike? I think that is so valuable because if we start looking at what we value in a customer and we focus on that, then we can bring more of that to us. Would you agree? Yes, I do agree. I think it's also a lesson for us in where we need to develop more tolerance. You know, when we look at why we don't like doing business with certain people, it's important to to figure out whether it's because their values are actually different than our own or is it just a question of style. And I have a whole section on the various styles, personality styles, and how we, how hard it is for us to work with a style opposite our own. So there's a lot to be learned there as well. Yeah, you, you do. You have a whole chapter here on style. And and I'm looking at that now. Yes. And you have names for your styles. Yeah. Um, it, it, when I was first in selling, I went through several classes. Different companies offer different versions of this. Um, they, they, there's the Holden model. There's DISC, um, various ways of categorizing personalities. Um, but I talk about the four main groups, which seem to surface in each of those processes. Hmm. And so what are but some my, of those styles? Well, I, my husband, for example, is an analytical, so he cannot have enough detail. He wants detail, 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 and as a result, he struggles sometimes with making a decision because he doesn't feel he has enough information. Hmm. I am much more of an expressive, so I tend to make decisions first trusting my gut, my intuition, and then I look for facts to support that or to mm-hmm. dissuade me. So 
So right. we are often we often struggle with our communications because our styles are so different. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and um do you think more creative people would be the latter in terms of expressive? You know, when I first started working with these models, that's what I thought. I thought, well, I work a lot with engineers. They're all going to be analyticals. I work a lot with finance guys. You know, they're going to be uh, drivers. Uh, you know, creative types will be. But you know what? It's not, it's not the case. I find that in any group of people, you're likely to see all four styles represented. And once you get down to that preferred style, um, it's much easier to communicate. When people and those are working you said are, you said are expressive, analytical, yeah, and what are the other two? Well, expressives like to talk. I'm one of those. <laughs> we like to talk. We like to write. We like to share stories. Um, but drivers, on the other hand, they, these are the cut-to-the-chase people, the people who don't want to be bothered with a lot of details. They don't want to hear a lot of your stories. They just want to cut to the chase. Why should I do this? What's good for mm-hmm. me in this? Mm-hmm. So uh, understanding that, I think, really helps us communicate and make a strong human connection with the people we work with. When we don't, when we try try to force ourselves or them out of their natural style, then we have a lot of problems understanding each other. And what's the last one? Oh, the amiables. Yeah, they're the peacemakers. They they are the ones who like that they want everyone to get along. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's very hard to get those people to talk openly about what they are trying to accomplish or what their goals are because they're so concerned about keeping the peace. Interesting. So you have the amiables, you have the drivers, the expressives, and the analytics. Uh Interesting. So I want to tell folks that our guest is Sharon Parker. Her book is Selling with Soul, Achieving Career Success Without Sacrificing Personal and Spiritual Growth. And, I mean, your book is great. You talk about how do you sell, who are your prospects, who are your best customers, how do you respect your customer? How do you present a solution to a customer and why listening is so important, as well as opening and closing? And you say in your book, the close and why it's really the opening and, yeah. and you know, how important that is. And it's, it's very well written. So tell people how they can find you. Thank you. Uh, the book is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, uh, through my own website, SparkerCoaching.com, and it's available in hardcover and softcover, and will very shortly be offered in the ebook format as well. Okay. And again, they log on to Sparker S Parker SparkerCoaching.com, and do you do um, workshops? in different parts of the country? I do. I travel to do sales training and to do business coaching. Um, and currently I'm doing some workshops for small business owners who, are, who struggle to promote their business or their great idea because they don't want to feel salesy. So I'm trying to help those people feel proud of the work they do. Right. I want to read something on the back of your book that I really like. Your book, Selling with Soul, helps heal the split between job and spirit, it shows how problem-solving, creating value, and treating others with empathy and integrity 
are the keys to selling and living with soul. It's really mm-hmm. lovely. Yeah, really, thank you so much for coming on the program. Thank you, Patricia. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, stay on the line, Sharon. All right, folks, okay. that wraps up Patricia Raskin Positive Living for today. You can write to me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com with any questions or comments. And I have other radio programs on on radio, so do take a look at those on PatriciaRaskin.com. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.